and welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark for a special media edition with a couple of great friends and compatriots of ours from Ireland, Aidan Gallagher and Campbell Miller, again from St. Bridget Media in Ireland, basically handle all of EWTN's work in that wonderful nation. Great to be with you, Aidan and Campbell. Thank you. It's great. So, uh, Aidan, your role is exactly what and how is that in relation to EWTN? Yes, my role is basically organizing the promotion of EWTN and all of its very positive offerings across the nation of Ireland, which includes Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. So essentially what we do is try and make sure that the Catholic faithful are aware that Sky broadcasts, the EWTN broadcasts on Sky 586, mm -hmm. Virgin Media 815, and on Firestick and on various other mediums as well. Right, and how long have you actually been involved working with EW? Since 2010, mm -hmm. uh, and it's been a very exciting time uh, because as well as making people aware of what's available on the channel, we try and promote a TV guide to the faithful through churches, and we try and introduce EWTN's products into schools and across uh, various places like old people's homes, prisons, etc. Why'd you decide to work with EWTN and I? Well, I remember we did charity work way back uh, ever since about 1992 when I joined Youth 2000 and I joined another little prayer group in Belfast. Mm -hmm. And what our idea was, you know, where could we strategically place ourselves to have the maximum powerful right. impact on souls? Now, I know that sounds quite a bit of a mouthful, but um, at that stage we were handing out leaflets on chastity, leaflets on pro-life, uh, principles down the town, down right. in the city centre of Belfast. But we figured here, there has to be a very, very more powerful way of doing this. Right. Uh, so that's how we got into media, right. that's how I discovered EWTN, and that's how I right. suppose I discovered the exponential, exponential nature of when you do something hopefully good in a small scale, that aspect of right. magnifying it globally through EWTN afforded us a fantastic right. opportunity. And that's great. We really appreciate your efforts over there running the show. And uh, on the creative side, uh, Campbell, your background, computers, then got into media, and how did you come to work for EWT? That's right. So, yeah, that's a story in itself. Um, I was in Donegal. I was there actually helping someone with their uh, computer system. Mm -hmm. And there was a producer there for me, WTN, was shooting a series. And uh, I always had an interest in, in media. I had actually studied uh, film in uh, Indiana. Mm -hmm. And it created some short films at, at that time that did very well in Christian film festivals. So of course, uh, when you're walking past a room and you see all of these cameras and lights up, that's really, really interesting. And I thought, well, I'm gonna take a nosy in here, have a look, mm -hmm. see what they're doing. And I found out they were from EWTN. And I had just heard of EWTN before that mm -hmm. and had actually had sent off an email to EWTN with uh, some details of the content that I was creating to see if they were interested. So it was really providential to have met this person. And um, I showed them some of my content and what I do and they were uh, very interested and then it got sent over here mm -hmm. and uh, all of a sudden I work for EWTN. <laughs> right, and we're, we're pleased uh, that you do. And of course, one of the reasons both of you are over here at this time is, is for Faith of Our Fathers, That's which right. is the latest film uh, that you guys have put together for EWTN, working in, in concert mm -hmm. with John Elson uh, from our office here in the States. And 
Aiden, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you think a, a film like Faith of Our Fathers is important, not only for Ireland, but for the whole church? Yeah. Well, Faith of Our Fathers, in essence, what the story is about is it's the struggles of a Catholic priest during the penal times in Ireland from roughly the late 1600s to the 1800s, the struggles of that priest to maintain the Catholic faith and to give the people access to the sacraments, that is, Holy Mass, the Eucharist. And during that time, the Catholic faith was outlawed, and uh, so was Catholic education in those historic times. The interesting thing about producing the film and what we found out recently when we screened it at the Santa Croce conference in Rome is that it has a remarkable correlation mm -hmm. and relationship to many other countries out there today because even a contemporary Google search today reveals that there are about 145 countries throughout the world that experience persecution right. because of their Catholic faith or Christian faith. So the essence of the persecution in those historic days has a tremendous, I suppose, relevance to what people are experiencing today in those countries. But may I say as well, Doug, not just only that, it also pertains to the developed world because there are many people, I suppose, whether if you hold strong pro-life principles, uh, uh, just values in relation to the, your faith, sometimes it's quite daunting uh, if you do express those in a public media perspective. You often feel that you, know, you shouldn't put your head above mm -hmm. the parapet, that uh, it's not as a, a free society as one mm -hmm. would imagine where one could express their right, views. Absolutely. So there's still that element of feeling, I suppose, not threatened, but not as just as free to right. express or practice your faith and express it as positively as one would wish. Absolutely, and Mother used to talk about us dealing with being white martyrs, maybe not bloodied martyrs, but white martyrs in the sense of the cultural oppression which we're seeing here. And, and Campbell also, obviously, uh, we, we've, we've heard about the situation in Ireland which has changed a lot over the years as well. You had the idea to do this, and you're the one who produced it. Where did the idea come from, and why did it capture your heart? Um, I suppose looking at the persecution that's taken place throughout the world at the moment mm. um, and this very subdued persecution that the church is actually under uh, in modern day, even mm. as Aidan has mentioned, in the developed world, I felt that a story needed to be told and clearly we haven't learned from our past and that story of what happened within Ireland and also in Britain during the penal period needed to be told. A lot of Irish Catholics uh, don't realise what happened and what their ancestors uh, actually went through. And it's, uh, this great name of Faith of Our Fathers, mm -hmm. that's what it's talking about. The faith that our fathers had back then and what they, uh, not just the priests and the bishops, but also the Catholic faithful had to uh, go through right. just to give us that freedom of faith today. To, uh, to endure and, and to understand the sacrifices they made, especially when we're complaining the air conditioning's not working <laughs> right or the Wi-Fi signal's not very good here right now, right? Uh, so in dealing with that as well and, and finding actors and people to work mm -hmm. to be able to do something on a high caliber as this film obviously is, how do you go about that? So it's, we do have a process of pre-production. There's a lot of work goes in there. I'm very lucky with the, the help that I get along with the, the um, acquisitions department, John Elson and Casey and Sean and Rebecca there. Right. Um, they really give me good input into 
the script and the the story that we want we want to actually tell. But also then back in Ireland, I have been very lucky to work with a number of great people that are heads of all of our departments in makeup, hair, costume, mm -hmm. our project uh, manager, um, Nassim Morgan, um, and Jim Crone, of course, our director of photography. And because I've worked with those people over a number of films, um, they make my life a little right. bit easier in putting together something like this. Because especially this was not just mine, um, but a few of those people's right. biggest production that we've ever done. Uh, with over 100 cast and crew, so it really takes uh, that experience uh, there to be able to bring this to the screen. Right, and Aidan, when you showed this in Rome, is, is this the one that uh, the Pope kind of endorsed, or which film was it that the Pope actually kind of endorsed? Yes, well, we've been thankful, very thankful to God that he's endorsed essentially all three right. of our films, in the sense that uh, Father Willie Doyle, that we um, that we produced way back in 2018. It was shown in the Filmoteca mm -hmm. in Rome, in the Vatican. And uh, as we probably know, that's, uh, that's the Pope's own cinema. So right. to have a permission and approval to show it there was a tremendous step forward. And what was that? What was the storyline behind that film that uh, you guys made, that Campbell made? Yeah, well, Father Willie Doyle is essentially about a Jesuit priest who was a chaplain in the British Army, who uh, was a, a, basically a hero where he went and ministered to uh, all the men in his, in his under his, uh, his command as such uh, as a chaplain, and uh, whether you were Catholic, Protestant, or no faith at all, mm -hmm. he spent his life. In fact, he offered up his life for the people that were under his care. Mm -hmm. And I know that uh, Father Wally Doyle, the whole project that Campbell, that was the first project Campbell that you came to us with. So it's yeah. one that's very dear yeah. to your heart. It was, um, and that all came from uh, listening to an EWTN radio interview hmm. in which um, Pat Kenny, who is bringing Father Doyle's um, cause forward, uh, he was being interviewed and he was talking about Father Doyle and what this man had done. Mm -hmm. And I remember just before that watching a movie um, called Hacksaw Ridge mm -hmm. about um, you know, this man going out into no man's land and bringing the men back. Right. And after hearing Pat Kenny uh, talking about Father Doyle, and that is exactly what he did. Um, he would go out into no man's land with bullets, bombs going around him and take these men back. And if he, he couldn't get them back, if they mm -hmm. were dead, he would lay there beside them until it finished and then brought, brought them back. And this didn't matter whether they were Catholic men right. or Protestant men. And he was um, he was admired by both sides, and that's how he lost his life. Actually, going over to uh, get two Ulster Protestant men. Right. It's interesting too with that, with the idea that he wasn't just there for their physical needs; he was there for their spiritual needs, and that's the part that I think younger people find quizzical, right? Yeah, that's that. Mm. He, he was, and. He was there all the time with his men. He, he was a captain. He didn't have to be in the front lines. He, he lived with their men on the front lines, in the trenches, mm -hmm. um, and went through everything that they wanted to go through. And what I really like about him is he was a real man's man. And I thought, there is someone that's a great example of what, uh, you know, what we want our priests to be like today. Um, is this person that we can look up to and is 
you know, they're on the front line. Right. They're battling with us. Right, and, and I was, I remember seeing the, uh, some of the war scenes you had created, John Nelson showed, and we said, this man has talent, we, we, we need to exploit it. So <laughs> that was one of the reasons we, I think we started off, and, and obviously this had a positive impact in, in Ireland itself, uh, and, and then you started to expand what you guys were doing programming-wise, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the interesting thing about the Father Willie Doyle production was it generated such a, I suppose, a huge interest in that level of filming mm -hmm. uh, and again the fact that uh, you know we did it to such a standard that it was shown in the Pope's own cinema that it naturally did then get headlines not just in Ireland but across mm -hmm. the world and that gave us a terrific right. springboard especially through the good guidance of you Doug and your team John Nelson here at EWTN Central or Birmingham where um, we came up with the second idea of Knock, right. the film on Knock. And to our minds, the story of Knock has never really been properly told because um, it, um, it, around about the mid-1840s, the famine began uh, in Ireland, but it wasn't until 1879 that Our Lady appeared at Knock. Mm -hmm. So she was appearing for a particular purpose. Uh, it, Ireland had just been devastated through famine, through emigration, and through sickness. And uh, we felt, and Campbell told the story terrifically well, by basing it on the actual witness statements. Absolutely. Rather than giving it some sort of a spin of what you, you think people want to hear, no, we based right. it on what the witnesses actually said they saw and what they testified until their dying day. Right, what I thought was great with that, and I'd like Campbell you to comment on the production itself, was. Part of the idea we had when we did it in Lords recently, we did it in Fatima. We wanted to say just like we did Saint Speaks by. We wanted the, what they said, not what people said they said, mm -hmm. but people to see what actually happened, what Our Lady said in all various apparitions. In this one, obviously, she was silent, yeah. but it was important for people to understand the importance of this to the Irish people, right? That's it, and that movie starts off with taking us through what happened in the famine period, so mm -hmm. we have historians that talk about that time, and the reason we did that was because when Our Lady, uh, St. Joseph, St. John and the Lamb of God all appeared to those, uh, we have 15 official witnesses, but there was much more there. Mm -hmm. um, when they appeared, they appeared at a time when there was a second famine, and that's what people actually don't realise. I see. So okay. I wanted to show people what the Irish people had went through before that. So there was people still living at that moment. They knew what their ancestors went through, the amount of people that died, the amount of people that had lived, and then there was this fear, this was all going to happen again. So our, they came, and Our Lady came, to basically give comfort. And when you want to give someone comfort, there is nothing you can say. Right, interesting. That, that's why mm -hmm. there was silence, there was quietness. She just wanted to be with the Irish people at that moment. And say, I'm here, basically, I'm here, I'm your mother, don't worry. Mm -hmm. right. Exactly, mm -hmm. that was it. Right, now you moved on to some, a, a little different topic there, <clears throat> on a program called, which was called Speak of the Devil. Where did that one come from? <laughs> not from Our Lady of Knock, I don't think. No, no, definitely not. Um, so that name actually, of course, was uh, you had brought that one to me. It was, it was a great name to entitle uh, the movie that was going to be about uh, spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. And this was something very different that I had never done before. And that was 
trying to educate people about a topic, but also doing it through a story. Mm. And I felt that the best story to do that was the prodigal son story and retelling that in a very different way. Mm. So we retold it in the medieval period. There's no set time, but it's in the medieval period. Uh, there's sword fighting and people have that look of what you would see in TV from the Vikings TV series, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones so right. we wanted to give them what they're, what they're seeing currently mm. and that means that they're used to seeing that and hopefully it would entice right. new viewers into mm. watching this content and learning something new. And, and did you see that impact, the fact that you had this Game of Thrones? In fact, they, they shoot in Northern Ireland, right? That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, you actually had actors and people who were associated with those productions. I mean, that was part of the allure, the idea of something that would look like something a lot of young people were watching or binge-watching on Netflix or whatever channel mm -hmm. it was on that week. Uh, did you find that that had an, an extra appeal? Well, yes, certainly in terms of its popularity, mm -hmm. uh, the fact that people were already open to that almost like Viking concept or the, mm -hmm. the medieval concept. But I think it's just the manner in which that we did it. You know, obviously we were correlating the parable of the of the uh, prodigal son to that era. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, from a personal perspective, whilst I think, and answering your question directly, whilst the medieval nature of it was very powerful. I do think it was the inherently powerful Christian story, mm -hmm. family story that is contained within the, the prodigal son that really uh, helped the success of it. Right. So, you know, clothing it in the medieval period and clothing in the, in the Viking sort of garb and the, and the, and the makeup, etc., worked terrifically right. well. But I think at the, at the deep root of, of every uh, person, you know, is this uh, right wonderful appreciation for the prodigal son story that has been so popular through the right. ages. Well, I think what's great about it, and I think a lot of people have said this, if you can do something on a high-end production-wise, and you have something mm -hmm. that looks like something people are comfortable with, I think, well, I've seen things like this, it's a little easier to get them to, to enjoy the story and then to have af those underlying Christian aspect yeah. Catholic teachings there mm -hmm. without telling people, welcome to this Catholic show, here's a priest, he's standing in front of a you know, a blackboard and he's going to explain the catechism to you, which is a good program. Yeah, and right. and some people need that at different times, but it doesn't reach everybody everywhere all the time, right? No, that, I mean, that, that's it. And we're, we're very blessed that um, the crew that we have working in these mm -hmm. productions have worked on all of those major uh, productions that we've talked about, the likes of Game of Thrones mm -hmm. and uh, Vikings and that. So they were able to bring their experience um, to our production and help us uh, give it that look mm. so that, as you said, that we can, and as Aidan has mentioned, we can get that story right. across seamlessly to someone mm. that mightn't realize that they're act that's actually what they're watching, right. that it, you know, until the, until the end. Right, and absolutely, and, and, and my sense was in a discussion we had uh, uh, yesterday or the other day, we were talking quickly and you were saying how, how much they enjoy, those people like to work on these productions yeah. because there is a different sense to it than the secular productions they normally work on, right? That, that's right. Um, you know, it, it, we have a great crew. Um, we really do, and the, we keep our crew for every single production. So we're now used to well working together. And the feedback that we're always getting is, "Well, Campbell, when are you doing the next one?" You know, mm -hmm. we want to be part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and some of these people are taking sacrifices and wanting to work with 
which is less of an income, um, even getting you know a smaller contract mm. um, in time period where they could be working for three months, and mm. for us it's only a month. Right. Um, so we're lucky that we, we we have that. But the other opportunity it gives us mm. with making a production of this, like Faith of Our Fathers, with a hundred different people, we're getting to evangelize uh, to those 100 people that are actually working yeah, with absolutely. us in our production. Mm -hmm. So there's 100 people that we know already have been touched by that movie. Right. Mm -hmm. And big productions are big productions, but there's other productions as well. That the, Like there's one on the Sacred Heart, there's one on Divine Mercy. Why don't you talk a little bit, Aiden, about some of the other uh, projects and productions you, you, yeah. you're working on that to kind of fill out um, Ireland's schedule. Yeah, delighted to. Yeah, so two projects that we've got over the line in this past number of months are Enthronement to the Sacred Heart, mm -hmm. and that was working with a terrific priest we have in Ireland, Father Bernardino Supuk, mm -hmm. and he is based uh, out of Limerick. He's part of the, uh, the Franciscan Files of the Renewal mm -hmm. in Limerick, or the Monks of My Ross, mm -hmm. as, as uh, people very friendly uh, refer to them as. So he helped us do this Enthronement and what is, what is entrollment? So entrollment is basically enticing people into consecrating themselves, their family, and their home to the Sacred Heart. Right. And in a real man's man type of way, mm -hmm. handing over control of your affairs, handing over control of your life, your family, your children, your finances, to our Lord. Right. Because ultimately, He is our Creator knows best. Right. And um, we prov we, we've got that over the line in a very simplistic way. It's about maybe a 25-minute program, mm -hmm. and it's a very simple step-by-step -step process. Right. So that's very good that we've done that. And second one is basically on the Divine Mercy, like you just said. Mm -hmm. And it was working with a West Belfast group, a terrific gentleman called Stephen McCluskey, mm -hmm. where way back probably about 10, 15 years ago now, he set up a Divine Mercy prayer group uh, with the help of his friends and mm -hmm. the, the powerful local community there. But really the substance of that dog is so tremendous and it's portrayed very well in that program mm -hmm. because the essence of Divine Mercy is, a uh, Lord says, come to me in the Divine Mercy and there are so many graces mm -hmm. that I can give you uh, through your humility and through your, your beseeching the Divine Mercy. And he, Stephen McCluskey and his, his uh, prayer group have done that so well in, in West Belfast. So if your viewers can keep an eye out for that, it's called Trust. It's a terrific program, mm -hmm. and I understand it'll be uh, in due course. Right, and of course, you know, the, the great marriage between the Sacred Heart and the Divine Mercy, mm -hmm. really, and, and how those really go hand in glove. Now, speaking of big productions and big ideas, let's talk a little bit about uh, a program that, uh, that you're considering working on. We've had some conversations having to do with the life of St. Patrick, yeah. maybe the unknown years, That's we right. could call it, or something along those lines. Why don't you explain? Yeah, you know? so that, that was something that came up by accident yeah. and um, looking at new ideas and what we could, uh, what we could do our next program on. Um, St. Patrick has been mentioned to me a number of times over this last few years, and I always like, no. No, it's been done. Everybody knows the story. And uh, after a couple of different meetings mm -hmm. and looking into St. Patrick's story and his, uh, as you said, the early years, mm -hmm. that's when I discovered there is a lot about this man that we actually don't know. Mm -hmm. So this new uh, series, um, if we get to do it, will be from the moment that he gets captured to actually getting back home and it is just full of um, 
there's so many issues that, that he has had to go through right. and deal. There's his, his own conversion, um, being sold for slavery twice, mm -hmm. um, going through that, and then the arduous journey of when he escaped and actually getting back home. Mm -hmm. So that's a story that we believe people would really enjoy um, getting to know the real St. Patrick and we want to take away all of that myth and legend that people have heard about him mm. and actually see the truth in this man. Right, because ultimately the, the real stuff is actually better than the myth, right? That's and, exactly it. Right. Yeah, mm. there, I mean there's just so much there. You don't need to be filling in gaps. We don't need to be making something up about him that is completely untrue mm -hmm. when... Um, and that somebody can easily say, ah, oh, come on. That, that, that's it, that's it. And right. we, want to, we want to create a, a, a TV series or film right. that um, you won't have anyone writing in and telling us, well, that's not true or that didn't happen, right. and right. that we want um, the, the full truth story of what right. he actually went through uh, to become the patron saint of Ireland. Right, and we invite all of our viewers to pray for uh, that uh, particular production uh, that guide us and guide Campbell and Aiden in, in where that should go and how we can work that out. Aiden, you've got 30 seconds to tell the world about St. Bridget. Well, and Gail, thank you, Doug, for this opportunity of just being able to, to do the show with you. So for the folks listening from, from Ireland and across the world, St. Bridget Media is an affiliate of EWTN whose exclusive focus is to take the wonderful programs that EWTN and ourselves make on the Catholic faith and make sure as many people as possible get an opportunity right. to watch it through television, to hear through radio and read about the powerful witness on social media. Well, we couldn't be any, any prouder to have you as our compatriots on this walk and this mission, Campbell Miller and Aidan Gallagher, of course, from St. Bridget Media and Ireland, look for Faith of Our Fathers coming soon on EWTN and all the great programming that we're producing on our on-demand page. You can check that out as well. I'm Doug Keck. This has been a special EWTN media program on Bookmark. We'll see you next time. Thanks.